Welcome to Advancing All Women with Sarah Alter, President and CEO of Next Up. On this show, you'll hear top executives and experts talk the most pressing topics of the moment for women in the workplace, including key issues that affect the advancement of women, creating better workplaces for women of color, DEI and B solutions, and more. Now, here's your host, Sarah Alter. So a year ago today, President Joe Biden signed the Juneteenth National Independence Day Act into law, Thursday, June 17th, making Juneteenth a federal holiday in the United States. Juneteenth honors the emancipation of enslaved African-Americans in the United States. And the name Juneteenth is a blend of two words, June and 19th. It's believed to be the oldest African-American holiday with annual celebrations on June 19th in different parts of the country dating back to 1865. In addition to recognizing the end of slavery, many take the day to just celebrate African-American culture. My intro today, oh, it's gonna be short and sweet as humbly, I very well know and, and greatly appreciate that my guests today are far more informed than I am in this topic. And they will be sharing the history and significance of this holiday and ideas for how you as a leader or your company can be appropriately acknowledging or bringing this holiday to life. So without further ado, I am Sarah Alter. I'm your host of the Advancing All Women radio show and podcast, and so very proudly the CEO and president of Next Up. And my incredible guests today are our very own Karen Jones, um, Vice President Learning and Partner Solutions at Next Up, Tasman Allen, Director of Sales Operations and Co-Chair of the Black Business Resource Group, for Kraft Heinz, Kraft Heinz, and Maureen Gibbons, Vice President, Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion at Glambia. And just want to make sure I note that both Glambia and Kraft Heinz are incredible partners for Next Up. So, all right, good morning, everybody. Thank you for being here. Good morning, Sarah. Good morning. Good morning. All right, I already forewarned our engineer. This is a lively group, and I told them, I'm like, Gabe, I don't even know that we're going to take a break, but we will. We'll take our one break, you know, and we may just keep talking. So stay tuned. We're just going to go on for hours because there's so much that can be shared, you know, about this holiday and how you need to be bringing it to life. Um, all right. So quickly, everybody just kick us off with, hey, why in the heck are you here other than, you know, you can't ever say no to me? Um, Karen, <laughs> tell us your personal and professional journey. Yeah, Sarah, thank you so much. And I'm so happy to be here on the show talking with you um, and these incredible leaders, Tasman and Maureen, about Juneteenth. The reason that I'm so happy to be here today, Sarah, is because even though, as you mentioned in your opening, Juneteenth has been around um, since, since the 1800s, uh, so few of us know about it. Um, and even as women of color, you know, we a lot of us didn't know about Juneteenth um, because it is uh, not typically taught in our formal academia here in the U.S. So I'm super happy to be with you today to talk about it and shed more detailed light about the holiday and how to celebrate. Yeah, no, 
Great. Thank you, Karen. Um, and Tasman, welcome. Thank you, Sarah, for the opportunity uh, to join you and my fellow panelists today on such a great topic of celebrating Juneteenth. As you mentioned, I am Director of Sales Operations at Kraft Heinz, where we have iconic brands such as Kraft Mac and Cheese and Heinz Ketchup. Oh, in addition yeah. to yes oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, we we like with all the you know college kids and young adults like that is like a staple in our cabinet for sure both of them i yeah. can only imagine yeah. <laughs> yeah. and then as you mentioned um in addition to my day job i'm also co-chair for the black business um, resource group in the u.s zone and then just a little bit about my journey so my journey with Kraft Heinz began over 25 years ago, the summer before my senior year at Hampton University and HBCU in Virginia. I had obtained a sales internship within Kraft Foods through En-ROADS. And for those not familiar with En-ROADS, it's an organization that assists minority students in gaining internships with organizations. Mm -hmm. And I am forever indebted to this program and leading me to Kraft Heinz. Because of this, I have always had a passion to give back. I have consistently de dedicated my time throughout my career and all of my various sales positions and living in multiple cities to leading in the DEI space. Whether it was leading the Black Sales Council or the Women's Sales Council in the Washington, D.C. region or starting a mentoring program in, in Minneapolis or joining a national PLC sales council, in Chicago and now co-chairing our Black BRG from here in Charlotte, North Carolina. I truly enjoy being the voice of our Black Business Resource Group members. And I also love celebrating the impact that we've made as an organization and living one of our values of we demand diversity. And our BRG has partnered with company leadership to establish commitments focused on recruitment, employee learning and development, and community impact. So I look forward to sharing some of the ways we are celebrating Juneteenth at Craft Finds later on. We demand diversity. I love that. And, you know, and as we always do, we're going to provide like links to, you know, content, you know, that we've shared here or, you know, other, other resources that you should probably check out. So we should put a link for inroads on there. Tasman, that's great. That's such a great call out. It is such a phenomenal organization. Um, Maureen, last but not least, welcome, welcome. Thank you so much for having me today. Really appreciate the opportunity and to meet my fellow co-panelists today. So I'm Maureen Gibbons, I'm the Vice President of Diversity, Equity, Inclusion at Glambia. Glambia in and of itself, you may not know much about, but um, two main subsidiaries uh, that have large US presence, uh, Glambia Performance Nutrition, which um, has very powerful brands under Optimum Nutrition, Isopure, Amazing Grass. Um, Wendy Davidson is the president of that organization and she yeah. is on the board uh, of Next Step. So I'm sure you're very familiar with Wendy. And then on the Indeed. other side of the house, um, there's an organization called Glambia Nutritionals, which is a cheese and uh, B2B business uh, with food solutions, uh, nutrition, uh, sorry, uh, nutritional solutions and so on and so forth. So those are the two main operating units, particularly in the U.S., um, come under the shell of Glambia, which is an Irish-based organization. So I started at Glambia Performance Nutrition side of the business about four and a half years ago um, in their talent space. And since then, um, I've moved into this VP uh, of DE&I role, which is for the corporate parent of Glambia. Um, 
this is the first time they've had somebody in this role um, as an organization. So it's really demonstrating their commitment to the space and making sure that um, our employees and our future employees know um, our dedication and making sure that we're creating those cultures to, um, of inclusion and belonging and making sure that our workforce is representative of the different demographics and markets that we serve. Our consumers come from all walks of life. We wanna make sure our employees reflect the same. Prior to that, prior to this life, I spent most of my life in professional services. Um, more than 23 years of my career um, was at PwC. Um, and then I spent a little bit of time at Grant Thornton as well. Um, and then that was the majority of my career before coming into to Glambia. I think like Karen, uh, on my personal journey, you know, it's funny, I, I grew up um, in Chicago, South Side. Um, this was not part of my schooling in terms of speaking of Juneteenth. I probably didn't really learn about this until I was an adult. Probably, I, embarrassingly so, maybe in the most recent mm -hmm. five to six years. All even. of us, right? Um, yeah. So, um, on my personal side, it's been um, eye-opening and awakening to me, learning as much as I can personally over these last several years. Um, and then as an organization, um, again, we're kind of newer in our DE&I journey, but definitely committed to making our employees aware of what's going on, celebrating the holiday, how different organizations do it. Um, and you know, because we are global and we have a big international presence, making them aware of kind of why we celebrate this in the US, why it's important. And, um, and again, hopefully even for some US employees, maybe they're learning about it for the first time as well. So um, that's a little bit about um, me and my background. And uh, again, happy to be here today to talk about this from a Flambia point of view. Yeah, no, and, and as you'd referenced, and, and I know we talked about this as we were all meeting each other and preparing for the show, I didn't learn about it until the last couple of years either. And, and I think Karen, you reinforced it. Sadly, it's not been a part of, you know, the educational system, um, you know, or at least, you know, the history that we're taught. T Tasman, remind me, when did you first learn about the, or acknowledge the, the holiday, Juneteenth? I think it's, yeah, I think it's one of those things that it's always in the background, been in the background and you've heard Juneteenth, but a officially celebrating it. It wasn't something that, you know, I'm originally from Baltimore, Maryland, and it wasn't something that we celebrated. Yeah. So it wasn't until, you know, within the last couple of years that I truly made an assertive effort to celebrate right. Juneteenth. Right. Um, you know, okay. Sarah, for me personally, you know, the, the, there's a Frederick Douglass quote that's out there that I'm sure everybody knows uh, that the 4th yeah. of July is yours, not mine. You may rejoice. I must mourn. And until you learn about Juneteenth, that quote is so impactful now to me personally, because for my whole adult life, primarily up until a couple of years ago, I thought the 4th of July was the end all be all, like it was the bee's knees, right? It was the right. summer celebration for America. And then when you take that quote in the context of kind of what we were celebrating on the 4th of July versus what really was still going on in the United States at that time, let freedom ring. Well, it was only freedom for a certain number of people. Absolutely. So, um, it, it, just, it's, it just takes the whole thing and I have a different perspective and different context now that I know more than I did then, yeah. put it that way. Like the women's right to vote. Absolutely, right? yeah. Same, you know, yeah, yeah, no. And, and that was just so educational for me um, as well, to your point. 
So, so Karen, we're going to call you Professor Jones. <laughs> I'll take All it, Karen. Right. <laughs> exactly. I have granted you a PhD. That's what we, that was our that was last week's show. We talked about women who got PhDs while they were working full time and living their lives full time. God bless them. Um, so fill us in on the history. Absolutely, Sarah. So, um, and as uh, as uh, I know, uh, Maureen knows because I was so honored to be with Glanbia on Tuesday. We yeah. have a wonderful workshop here at Next Up called Understanding Juneteenth, which um, finalizes uh, the cadence that led us up to the uh, the celebration of the holiday. And so, I'll try, Sarah, to uh, summarize that very very quickly for our audience. Um, the the the, um, the events that led up to Juneteenth take us uh, even earlier than the ratification of the United States as a democracy. Um, the, the, uh, the systems known as uh, chattel enslavement reach all the way back into the 1600s, when, as we all know, way prior to uh, the U.S. establishing itself as a formal government. Um, or the earliest documentations um, of enslaved people coming from Africa reach all the way back as far as 1619. And I know, Sarah, you are familiar with the 1619 Project and other uh, more recent documents that fill in some of the details of our shared history. So in 1619, there were 20 enslaved Africans that were brought um, by the Dutch to the Virginia colonies, and that are the, those are the earliest records that show that. Um, many people uh, often, we, we do know, at least in our formal academia and, and common narratives, about the systems called um, indentured servitude. And so with that, there were also Europeans that were indentured servants that, were come, that came over to uh, the New World or um, what ended up being the, the US established colonies um, in that time period. However, as we move through, forward through um, history into the 1660s and 70s, that's where we start to see things change when it comes to the ability to pay off your terms of indenturement and to become free. So at that point, um, the colonies, many of them, the, the Virginia and Maryland colonies, began to create and enact laws that said that those who were from the lineage of the Africans that were brought over here to the colonies, then they would, from that point forward, not be able to work off the terms of their indenturement, and they would be in bondage from then, then henceforth and that point forward. And not only does the documentation show us, Sarah, that the laws established for them and unable to work off the terms of their indenturement, even their children or any children, <clears throat> and pardon me, any children born from them would also be a part of the systems of enslavement. Um, and so, you know, and this went on for 400 years. For 400 years, this went on until we, um, and we all know the things that happened um, in, the, in 1860s with, uh, we all were taught, at least I was, um, about uh, President Abraham Lincoln, the Emancipation Proclamation to the free of the slaves or the enslaved. I try to not to, Sarah, at this point, I try not to say slaves like it, 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 I say people who were enslaved, um, the citizens right. of Africa who were enslaved. And I'm trying to make right. a concerted effort to make that distinction. Mm -hmm. But um, what we learn as we fill in the details of history, um, the Southern states did not um, abide by that because it was an executive order, the Emancipation Proclamation. Yeah. And the legislative actions that came to emancipate the, uh, the Africans, the, the lineage for those who are born in the lineage of slavery um, didn't come until the next two years after that. And so with that, um, then we find out that even the people who were emancipated, the enslaved, didn't even find out 
really. They, um, many of the landowners, the white landowners, didn't even tell them that they were henceforth free. And so it took the Union troops to come over into Galveston, Texas, to find the last of those who were not even informed that they were freed, um, to let them know. And that was where the origins, again, come to Juneteenth. It was June 19th. In 1865. And so with that, um, again, Sarah, it's, it's, it's so ominous to think that these systems went on for over for 400 years, 400 years um, that led us up to the celebration of Juneteenth. Um, and it was in the 1870s <clears throat> by which um, there were some ministers that came together and they actually uh, had to come together and pool together $1,000 in order to buy land to celebrate Juneteenth. Um, now, many of you might be asking, why was that? But it was because after um, the emancipation of the Africans, um, many, many systems in the state started to be put in place by which it was to disenfranchise those who were free um, enslaved people. Um, some people that are listening to us may have heard of the Jim Crow laws that subsequently came after Reconstruction and the Black Codes and laws that basically criminalized being Black in America. And so with that, those ministers in 1872 pulled that land and pulled that money together and they brought the land because America at that point in the South was in an apartheid state. So it was unlawful for Black people to move into spaces where their white counterparts would be and they were not able to use public parks and things of that nature. And so those ministers bought land, 10 acres of it, to pull, pull together to celebrate the first Juneteenth. And that park actually, Sarah, still exists today, Emancipation Park in Texas. Wow. And it's just, you know, how sad that it's, it, you know, <laughs> you know, just the whole slavery existed for so many centuries. And then how even more sad and tragic that even once they were freed, that there were those that just like didn't even let them know. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, it, it, it's, it's funny, our, our house, I know Karen's seen our house, it was built in 1869. And so the history goes, it was, it was built for the minister in our town. There were like, you know, five houses built for people to live in. The minister lived in one and then another five, you know, were sold to encourage people to come and create this town called Glencoe. And in the history, they reference, you know, the under the underground railroad efforts. And my husband's always been like, the math doesn't work. You know, like it was 1865. And this house was built in 1869. And it wasn't until recently when I learned all of this history. And I'm like, no, sadly, the math probably still works because it probably took years for people to truly be free, you know? Um, and it, it, yeah, no, it's crazy. So, um, so should we all be celebrating this holiday? Let's, let's go there. You know, we, we all just sadly recently learned about it and are starting to embrace it and all that we do personally and professionally. But as you, as you said, right, Maureen, what, you know, Frederick Douglass said about July 4th, should we all be celebrating this holiday? And, and I'll put it out there even before we answer that, that, okay, like many other holidays, this should be a moment of reflection. It should be a good reminder to, okay, you need to be leading your life and serving others with this mindset, right? Like this shouldn't be just a holiday that you acknowledge one day a year. It's how you lead your life and how you treat and serve other people. But let me put it out there to everybody. Should, should everybody be celebrating this or is it just really more so for the communities that were most directly impacted? 
Um, Maureen, what do you think? Well, yeah, I mean, I think the communities that were directly impacted have a different connection to it than I would say maybe others might. But I think to your point, Sarah, particularly those that are maybe learning about it for the first time um, or mm -hmm. later in their life, like you and I mentioned, um, definitely taking this moment to reflect on, gosh, you know, I've lived most of my life unaware of this. Right. Um, and now that I'm aware, how does it change kind of maybe some of the other celebrations that I have done throughout my life? So, you know, I don't think it's the, um, you know, how do I want to say it? I, I think it's something that everybody needs to reflect on. And I think that um, we absolutely should acknowledge, um, celebrate that we know about it now. Um, even more so than the holiday itself for those of us that were so kind of in the dark or lack of awareness um, uh, for so many years. Um, again, I, I feel like some of my adult life was robbed from me because I didn't even really notice or know this, right? right? So right. Um, for me, it's, yeah. it's not hot dogs on the grill kind of celebration. For me, it's exactly. more self-reflection. Yeah. Um, self what, what else don't I know? Um, and now that I know this, I got a totally different perspective, um, on different things that have happened throughout my life and, and so on and so forth. So for me, it's, it's not, again, the joyful one, it's more of a time for self-reflection, but that's my personal piece to it. Um, I think everybody obviously will be different, but that's, that's me. And, and to your point, you know, and I know we've talked a lot about this. It's like, this is not the holiday to commercialize. No, that's, <laughs> no, that's kind of what I, that's a great way to say what I was trying there, to articulate. I don't see this like yeah. in the, you know, checkout aisle kind of thing, right? Yeah, yeah. There's been a few missteps. <laughs> yeah. um, and, 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 you know, and, and it's been put out there, right? Like so many of our other holidays have been commercialized. <laughs> And there's a great amount of revenue associated with it, but this is not one of them. It, I was thinking about it last night. I liken this to um, our family um, is Jewish to Yom Kippur. <laughs> you know, there aren't Yom Kippur t-shirts out there. Okay. <laughs> you know, <laughs> there are, you know, <laughs> you know, it is, it is, that is a day of reflection. You know, that is a day where you need to think about, okay, how do I be good? How do I be kind? How do I serve others? You know, it's not, you're not there to, you know, sell product, you know, or make money off of it. It's, it's a period of reflection. Tasman, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah. I mean, if we go back to the original goals of Juneteenth, there were two goals put, you know, for the holiday. One was to celebrate and the other was to, to educate. So I think, you know, mm -hmm. early on, as it was established, you know, after the freeing of, and, you know, enslaved individuals, African-American individuals, they wanted to maintain that, you know, legacy and continue to educate yeah. our community on, you know, what had happened and what we were freed from. I think now as we have come out of 2020 and the murders of George Floyd, Ahmaud Aubrey and Breonna Taylor, Juneteenth definitely took on a new meaning from an education standpoint and not only educating within, you know, mm -hmm. our own community, but a broader education of, you know, what took place prior to, you know, 1865 and even between 1865 and, and you know, in 2020, where 
you know, in 1863, we were technically free, but even throughout this entire time through 2020 and even today, like some of those um, physical bondage, you know, have been removed, but a lot of them, you know, are technically still placed on us with some of the, you know, inequities that we face. And I think the more that we can use this holiday to celebrate the freedom and do our part to make sure that we understand the rich history behind the meaning of Juneteenth, we can definitely all celebrate and, you know, again, educate within this holiday. And, and so well said, and, and, and Karen, as you've taught us, like it's hard to dismantle centuries, you know, centuries of embedded structure and systems and barriers. And, you know, so it's our, our work is, 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 is still upon us, right? As you said, Tasman, there's still, still so much more that we have to be doing. Um, and I like how you put it. It, it, it is about building the, the awareness and the education and that there's still so much more we all need to be doing. Karen, what are your thoughts? Absolutely. Sarah, you touched on something that's profoundly true, and that's about the systems that took all of these hundreds of years to build. And um, oftentimes we feel like the systems are broken, but I would offer many of them are operating exactly as designed. And so with that, exactly. I'm in the camp with Maureen that um, I didn't grow up knowing this, and I feel like a part of my knowledge base was stolen from me for not knowing the things mm -hmm. that we know now about uh, celebrations like Juneteenth and many of the systems and how they were built. But to um, answer your question specifically, Sarah, I would love to see, and this is my own subjective opinion, I would mm -hmm. love to see everyone celebrate Juneteenth to do exactly what Tasman described mm -hmm. it was, and you described. I love that corollary to Yom Kippur, to use it as a day of reflection, to, to create yeah. awareness to indoctrinate, to share with children, regardless of race and creed here in the U.S., because when we teach our Juneteenth workshop, we I literally call it another U.S. Independence Day, because our history is just that. It is our shared history. It is Black history is U.S. history. And so mm -hmm. I'd like to see mm -hmm. all of us uh, celebrate Juneteenth, um, as well as now we're all American and being able to take part in the festivities of July 4th. Yeah, Karen, if I could expound on that just real quick too, you know, I think for those of us that work in global organizations as well, I think there's a huge learning for our global colleagues, just even outside the US, because a lot of times I, I get a lot of questions around, um, they don't necessarily understand the black American experience. And they'll, so they'll hear about the George Floyd and, and on those situations overseas. And because they haven't lived in the environment, they don't fully grasp kind of what all that means or how it impacts our, our people in the United States. And I think educating them around, yes, so you all thought slavery ended, you know, 4th of July, like the rest of us did. And guess what? <laughs> um, it didn't. And it's the systemic problem that has been going on for centuries that has built up and built up and built up over time that is, is problematic. That some of those, those things and those barriers that we're still trying to address and remove. And it helps them understand a little bit more when they talk about, when we talk about race in America, um, when you don't live it every day, like, like our, our international colleagues don't, um, it does help to educate them as well. So it's not just a US reflection. I, I think it needs to be even a global reflection of what's gone on in the US for so long and why they hear about so hundreds of years of, of built, to your point, by design, um, oppression, right? So I think it helps them as well. And, and, and in a nation that was founded on the premise of independence, Absolutely. equality, 
liberty. Exactly. Right. The fact that, you know, people justified it, sadly, for economic reasons. Yeah. Uh, all right. So let's take a quick, short commercial break. Uh, we're just going to be about a couple minutes. So nobody leave us. But I want to thank everybody who's been listening in so far to our Advancing All Women radio show and podcast. You can always check us out at nextupisnow.org for more information on Next Up and all of our podcasts. Stay with us because now we're going to dive into, okay, how can you go about then educating, celebrating, acknowledging this, this incredible holiday? We'll be back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. For over 20 years, Next Up has been bringing professional women, allies, and corporate partners together to champion gender equity and advance all women in their careers. Together, we are a powerful, growing community of over 14,000 members and 300-plus regional and corporate sponsors. We work to create leadership opportunities, amplify women's voices in the workplace, and ensure that all women in business can seize opportunities in the now and in the next. Members of Next Up gain access to a broad community of like-minded professionals dedicated to women's equity and leadership development across our 21 regional communities, get best-in-class leadership development opportunities, and attend our two annual national conferences, which bring together the strongest minds in DEI and B and leadership. Join Next Up today. Visit nextupisnow.org slash membership to learn more about becoming a member. That's nextupisnow.org slash membership. Our thoughts and feelings not only affect our own lives, but the lives of everyone around us. Find new meanings of love, authentic expressions, and better connections with the people in your life. Tune in to Love Light with Dr. Jean Marie Farish. This program will feature guests and discuss ideas that will bring a better life to you. When you find this perspective on love, it will change everything. Listen live every Friday at 12 noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. There are lots of unanswered questions about life's problems, and this is especially true about spiritual life. Why can't we see God? Why is there evil in this world? Why does God let bad things happen to us and to others? Can we get divine help? Join Carl Mollison and co-host Brian Kelly for Get Wisdom. They have new answers from the Almighty you need to hear. And listening could definitely change your life. Tune in every Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to Advancing All Women with host Sarah Alter. Want to learn more about the show and about Next Up? Visit our website at nextupisnow.org. That's nextupisnow.org. Now, back to Advancing All Women. 
Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to Sarah Alter in the Advancing All Women radio show and podcast. And I'm joined today by Karen Jones, Vice President, Learning and Partner Solutions, next up. Tasman Allen, Director of Sales Operations and Co-Chair for the Black Business Resource Group at Kraft Heinz. And Maureen Gibbons, Vice President, Diversity, Equity and Inclusion, Glanbia. And in today's show, we are celebrating Juneteenth. And we're learning about the history and the significance of this now national holiday. And more importantly, how do we appropriately bring this holiday to life? So um, Tasman, let's kick off with you. I know um, at Kraft Heinz, you've got a variety of things that are going to happen in, 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 you know, in acknowledgement of Juneteenth. So share with us what you're doing. And also, you know, want to put it out there that, you know, for those that are listening and you're like, it's June 17th and it's like, it's coming up, you know, it's not supposed to be this massive party, right? It's, it's not supposed to be a massive event. It's supposed to be about a day of reflection where you educate, where you have incredible conversations. Um, so you can do it. Even though it's like the Friday before, you can celebrate it on Monday. But Tasman, share some of the things that um, Kraft is going to be doing. Kraft Heinz is going to be doing. Yes, thank you, Sarah. So you know, we started acknowledging Juneteenth back in in 2020, and for us, it's not just a day of service. It's definitely a lot more than that. So we can do a service day, you know, as I've told some people any day of the year, right? So we just need to make sure that we truly honor the legacy of Juneteenth and make sure that we are recognizing it and the spirit of it within, you know, the African-American community. So our Juneteenth celebration actually kicks off now with me speaking, you know, with you all on, on this podcast. <laughs> thank you. Thank, no, thank you. No, thank you. Because, you, hey, I always appreciate, like, everyone's time is so precious, but we love shining the spotlight and incredible leaders like you. Yeah, and then this afternoon, our Black Business Resource Group will be hosting a cook-in instead of a, a cook-out virtual happy hour this awesome. afternoon where we'll just have some fun celebrating black culture through a trivia game. And since we're a food company, the conversation always turns to popular food dishes. So it's as it should. A lot as of fun. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and then to, you know, Maureen's point um, earlier, we have traditionally, you know, for the two years prior have celebrated it within, you know, our U S zone. And this year, we are actually expanding it to um, include Canada. So this will be a total North American zone celebration at Kraft Heinz this year. So really excited to be able to broaden the scope there. Um, On Monday, we will kick off the day with our keynote speaker, Marcus Samuelson. So if you don't know him, he is a celebrity chef. So I'm so excited um, to hear him speak to um, our organization on why Juneteenth is important to him. I had the opportunity to visit his restaurant, Red Rooster, in Harlem, New York, earlier this year, and the food was definitely so amazing. (laughs) We will then use, you know, the rest of the day for our day of service, and and Karen, I know you're coming to to speak (laughs) to to the Kraft Heinz as well. 
And, you know, just to give you, you know, some more insight into our day, um, Juneteenth will be focusing on four pillars, which are giving, community, learning, and self-care. So giving, um, we will have a steps challenge to raise money for the United Negro College Fund Food mm-hmm. Insecurities Grant Program. So that actually starts today and will run through um, Monday. As far as community, we are partnering with volunteer opportunities through organizations such as Big Brothers, Big Sisters, mm-hmm. and the YMCA. And then from you know a learning perspective, we'll have different sessions throughout the day. We'll be sponsoring um, bus tours in Chicago through the Mahogany Group. We'll have training on our We Demand diversity value. And then we've also provided um, self-guided learning um, to our employees to help, you know, learn through the day as well. And then lastly, self-care, which, you know, is extremely important um, Mm -hmm. with everything definitely that has been going on recently in our country. Many of our Black employees may just need to stay to, you know, rest for, for healing with, you know, practices of their choice. So, you know, that's something that I will probably do you know, personally on Monday, um, I enjoy being a Peloton user. So they have a speak up series that they do every year for Juneteenth. So I'll probably, you know, get on the bike for a ride, do a yoga session and, and meditation. Um, so just looking forward to, you know, celebrating, but to your point, also reflecting and again, just can't, you know, stay away from those two goals of, of celebrating and educating for Juneteenth holiday. For, for ongoing action and advocacy, right? Like it's, it's, you know, we'll take this day to educate you, but keep it in your head and heart, you know, and, 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 you know, infuse it into all that you do, right. And how you act on behalf of others. Exactly. And and to your point, it's, you know, with anything, it's not just a a one day celebration, right? So if, if I think about our one of our company values, we demand diversity. This isn't something that we just do on significant days. This is something that should be embedded in how we live and, and act and interact with one another on an everyday basis. So the empathy should be going on every day. The learning should be going on every day. The inclusivity should be going on every day. It just isn't Juneteenth or Black History Month or Women's Heritage Month or, you know, Hispanic yeah. Heritage Month. You know, it should be ongoing. Yeah. All right. Let's, Maureen, let's shift to you. Let's hear about Glambia. And I know you'd already referenced that you had also had, you can, you can tell that Karen Jones is very, very popular and very, very busy, (laughs) but share with us what Glambia is doing. Yeah. So on Tuesday, Karen um, was gracious enough to join our teams. Um, We have just started our ERG. We call them employee resource groups. Um, Within Glambia, uh, we just started those within the last year, and uh, we have one um, that's led up, up by somebody in Chicago, VJ uh, Singh, um, our multicultural ERG, and Karen came in on behalf of them and educated our U.S. teams around a Juneteenth, very similarly than she did today, um, and she did a great job, great reaction, Karen, would you say, um, from the team, really engaged session from, from the Glambia employees, and again, there's that that desire to learn, desire to be made more aware and to educate. So uh, we did that on Tuesday. And then we we do, we do have partnered with a vendor um, throughout the year, to Tasman's point, it's not a one-day thing, um, but we've right. partnered with a vendor who does a really nice job of snippet um, micro-learning 
around different type of uh, DNI events, whether it be Women's History Month or um, in this case, Juneteenth. And the, the lesson I picked out for Glambia for this time, I thought it, was, it wasn't just kind of the history. Karen kind of checked that off. I also linked an article um, that people could learn some of the actual history, but it was, this, it's this, it was in the storytelling of a, of a lady in Texas who you may not know of, um, and hopefully you'll go research her now if you haven't. Um, her name is Opal Lee, um, for anybody who knows who that is. And um, she was um, a, a lady who grew up in Texas, um, faced a lot of adversity in her life, uh, a lot of different things that had happened to her. At one point, she was homeless, mm-hmm. and a, a long story that you can go research. But the I think the the most interesting thing about her was that at 89, um, she took it on herself to um, walk to Washington, D.C. to bring signatures with her to make Juneteenth a national holiday. And she mapped this 1,400-mile route from Fort Worth, Texas, to the Capitol. And she drove from city to city, and she walked two and a half miles in each city to collect signatures for her petition to make this an, a national holiday. And the two and a half miles was the two and a half years that enslaved people in Texas continued to labor um, after the signing of the Emancipation Proclamation, which Karen so eloquently talked about earlier. So by the time she got to Washington um, on June 17, 2021, she had a million and a half signatures. Um, and it was then, of course, signed into law. So, you know, that it was a story through video and through kind of how I just summarized it there that um, all our employees got to take part in um, this week. So um, it's that storytelling, that that individual impact that this something like this has on someone that really, I think, makes people connect um, with with Juneteenth and 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 um, and I just thought it was great. I didn't know about Opal until I until I learned this lesson, and I, I thought it was um, thought it was a great story. So for everybody listening. Get out your Google when we're done and Google Opal Lee. She's quite, a, quite an amazing lady. Um, like I said, at 89, she made a trans country trip, uh, petition in hand, uh, ready to fight for what she believed in, which was amazing. That's incredible. Yeah, it's an amazing story. Wow. Yeah, let's in, we'll include a link on that. Yeah, awesome. Um, Karen. Ideas above and beyond. And like I said, you are so popular and so busy. We're so grateful <laughs> for your leadership and, and just for all that you share with all of our great partners. Other thoughts? Absolutely. Since- or, or what not to do. Oh, right? <laughs> oh yeah. I can probably touch yeah. on that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, since uh, Tasman and Maureen talk so eloquently about uh, the wonderful things that their organizations are doing uh, to celebrate Juneteenth, I'll sort of, I will touch on uh, what you can do as an individual in order to come mm-hmm. And so, um, first of all, one of the greatest things that you can do is spread the word about the true history um, of Juneteenth and helping people to understand. That's one of those things, uh, to your point, Sarah, that can help us to mitigate this notion of it being too commercialized. Um, it can, should be used as a day of reflection. Uh, like Tasman was saying about her day, restoration for those of us who are uh, Black or African American um, to be able to reflect and to restore. Um, other things that you can do as an individual, you know, contribute to organizations that support the advancement of African-Americans, like the NAACP, the United Negro College Fund, um, 
you know, those kinds of things are great places to be able to contribute. Um, I, 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 when I was with uh, one of the organizations that we partnered with, Sarah, we were talking about this notion of uh, supporting Black-owned businesses, which I also highly um, recommend. Absolutely. So, and, um, and I put it out there, Sarah, you know, I'm the person who loves to stare the elephant in the room directly in the eyes uh, and talk to it. Um, some people may be thinking, well, what's the big, well, who cares what color the business owner is? Like, why should I, why, you know, what, why, what is the deal about uh, Black-owned businesses? But um, again, as a part of our, our shared U.S. history, uh, there was a time when Black people, African-Americans were not able to own businesses, or even when they did, oftentimes in thriving communities economically, um, sadly, through uh, racial terrorism, they were burned down, like we all know the story of the Black Wall Street in Tulsa. And um, what many of us, our listeners may not know, is that there are about 38 other instances like the Black, um, the destruction of the Black Wall Street in Tulsa, Oklahoma. So, um, you know, there have been efforts throughout the, um, the course of our history for black uh, people to own businesses. And so uh, do celebrate by, uh, by uh, buying some things from black owned businesses to celebrate Juneteenth as well. And also um, many people talked about, and I know maybe boring, we talked about in Glambia a little bit. Um, so sharing, create, creating awareness with your children and family. You know, people have said, you know, how young is too young for a person to really understand about uh, something like Juneteenth or uh, issues that we face in the United States with race? Um, I'll share with you, Sarah, and all of our listeners and panelists. Uh, I started learning about race when I was about five because uh, someone told me the first, for the first time ever that I was Black. That was how I learned that I was Black because the classmate told me within the context of telling me that she was not able to play with me because of that. And so if we think about this notion of how, how young is too young, um, you know, children of color certainly are confronted with things at a very early age. And so if all of us can contribute to uh, creating positive narratives with our children um, and informing them of these things, uh, certainly in age appropriate ways, in literature, books and things that are available now, um, we can have join, link, join our and have a bright future all together. Because what I say in our workshops, um, often with a little bit of joking, but regardless of what ship you sailed over here in, we're all in the same boat now. <laughs> so as we, join, as we join in with I our indigenous sisters, you know, we, it's going to take all of our efforts to create the bright future that we all hope for for ourselves and our children. And it's a rocky boat too, right? Like, oh, <laughs> yikes. Oh. No. Um, yeah. And it's, it's, it's interesting next week, we're going to be talking in the spirit of pride month, because not only, you know, is June, you know, known for Juneteenth now, but also for pride month, you know, same sentiment, right? It's not about, okay, taking one day or, you know, one, one weekend, you know, to celebrate, you know, the LGBTQIA plus community. It's about, it's about celebrating the diversity of perspective and experience and all the unique, you know, strengths and, and beliefs that they bring, you know, and it's, it's the same, you know, for the very reason, you know, we're all about diversity, equity, and inclusion and belonging at Next Stop. Um, yeah, so clearly, like with all of these great ideas, it's not too late. You know, when everybody gets back to work on Monday, you can bring it to life from a, a corporate perspective, just pull together an impromptu discussion, right? Mm -hmm. And on Sunday, to your point, Karen, you can personally find ways. I'm sure there are tons of local things going on 
right? You know, if you look there, at actually, I, I, I literally Googled Juneteenth celebrations in my area and a whole list came up. And so right. with, uh, I would offer to our listeners, if you'd like to celebrate outside of your home, uh, do uh, check your local listings and see what celebrations are happening near you. Yeah. Just, you know, grab your kids and, and go acknowledge that day. Um, so, you know, Tasman, let's, and, and Maureen would love to understand too, you have your business resource group, you've got your employee resource group, and let's talk a little bit about your leadership over the Black BRG that you're um, leading, Tasman. What, what, you know, how are you leveraging this group to make sure that, you know, within your organization, which Kraft Heinz is enlightened, they do practice what we preach, but tell us a little bit more about what that looks like. Yeah, the good thing about, you know, our, our Black Business Resource Group, I think when, you know, it was originally formed back in 2015, 2016, most yeah. of our membership at the time was for, you know, the Black community within Kraft Times. But right. within, you know, the last several years um, since 2020, we've had a lot of allies join our, our Black Business Resource Love Group. That. So it's definitely, yeah, and it expanded community. And as I mentioned before, we've definitely been able to, you know, partner with um, senior leadership within our organization to get commitments. And we've gotten, you know, some great initiatives started since 2020. I mean, we have a, a mentoring program dedicated to our mm-hmm. Black employees. We have an accelerator program um, for the learning and development of, you know, an advancement of, of Black employees as well. Juneteenth definitely, you know, is one of the things that has been committed back to our group as, you know, celebrating. Um, we partner with um, multiple HBCUs in, mm-hmm. in recruiting. Mm-hmm. So our organization has definitely been very supportive to, you know, the Black Business Resource Group. And then like our, our group is just truly a, a community. And like I said, I, I'm so looking forward to our happy hour later on today where everyone can just come and, you know, be themselves and and have fun and celebrate our culture. And we do that multiple times throughout, you know, the year. And and it's definitely encouraged. And again, we have allies coming into the calls and it's an opportunity for them to, you know, learn and and celebrate with us and have a a good time. So it's definitely been a great experience for me leading um, the Black Business Resource Group. I mean, as you can imagine, there have been days where I felt the whole weight of, you know, the Black community on um, my shoulders, but it's such a rewarding experience. And I'm so glad that we have the support of the leadership within our organization. Absolutely. Yeah. Maureen, how about your employee resource group? Yeah, um, you know, we're in a a little bit of a different spot, I would say, than than Tasman. Ours are just starting. So um, they're newer in the journey in terms of pulling together um, that uh, that group and kind of strategizing in terms of how they want to move things forward. Mm -hmm. Um, Right now, it's multicultural, which is broader than what Tasman just described. Um, my my goal there um, was to just get that group up and running. Um, I'd love to see if I had a vision for from three to five years from now. I'd love to see offshoots of one multicultural and and develop into a, a black employee resource yeah. group, a Hispanic employee resource group, Asian American, whatever um, critical mass will allow given the size and complexity of our organization. So again, we're at a very different spot um, than Tasman. So we're still in that 
educational mode, um, you know, bringing the likes of Karen in to, to talk to the organization and educating leaders and other employees around some of the, the issues and challenges um, as a group that they face. And um, so I've been lifting some of the stuff in, in the meantime without that employee resource group really having legs yet, um, but it is coming along, which is, which is great. And Sarah, I think what I'd like to reemphasize, I think for some of the folks on the phone, you know, as an organization, you touched on it lightly earlier around the commercialization side of this, right? Where I spend a lot of time is with our marketing function around what do you do, what don't you do, and, and when do you just keep your mouth shut? Um, um, <laughs> and, uh, and great, great value in that, yeah. Um, but, you, right. know, um, we, you know, with Uvalde, for example, we went silent. Um, there, there wasn't much you could say um, mm -hmm. that was authentic in any way. Um, and then, you know, you mentioned Pride and, and Juneteenth, you know, it's, it's just being careful around um, not trying to commercialize something, you know, slapping a rainbow on your product and throwing it out on social media does not make you an ally. Um, it makes right. you commercializing your product. So, um, and we've seen some missteps with Juneteenth along the way as well. So mm -hmm. it's not isolated to pride. So I spend some time with marketing and making sure that um, we're trying to be authentic in whatever we do from an organization. And when we go external um, with our with our brands in particular on the GPN, uh, the Glambia Performance Nutrition side of the house, it's a direct to consumer brand and making sure that we're authentic when we do step into the space. So I think for everybody that's that's listening today, if you're mm -hmm. in the marketing function or you've influencing influence in any way there, I think that's really important to consumers that you're backing up whatever you decide to to show up with. Yeah, no, great advice. And and two, I, I commend you for you know, you've formed the employee resource group. Oh. You're focusing on Journey. the fact that <laughs> right. It yeah, it, it it you know, that's where it all starts. You know, and everyone's on a different point in their journey. So I, I commend you and, and your team for taking that very step. Okay, well, gosh, our time is up. Uh, um, I want to thank everybody who listened in so far today. Um, I want to thank our incredible guests, um, Karen, Maureen, Tasman, you are amazing. Thank you so, so very much for joining us today and, and sharing your stories and your thought leadership I want to thank Voice America, you know, for giving me and Next Up um, the opportunity to always share our voice and our mission with everybody, but most importantly, to shine the spotlight on incredible leaders like these three individuals. In our show next week, in the spirit of Pride Month, we're going to hear about how leaders and companies can best support their LGBTQIA plus employees within their company, and particularly when they are for the first time in a professional setting and situation sharing publicly. To learn more about Next Up and to listen to all of our phenomenal podcasts, check us out at nextupisnow.org. I'm Sarah Alter, and thank you for always listening. Thanks for listening to Advancing All Women with host Sarah Alter. Be sure to tune in again next week. Our program is live every Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern, 7 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Empowerment or catch our replays weekly on Voice America Influencers.
Until we talk again, enjoy your week.